Welcome to The Sword and the Trial, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. And I'm Tom Askell. Thanks so much for listening to The Sword and the Trial today. Very glad to have you with us. For those of you who are a part of our Founders Alliance membership, a big thank you to you. Thank you for your support and encouragement. For those of you who are not, do check out the fam. We always have good content going up in the armory that's available to those who are a part of the Founders Alliance membership. You can find out more details at founders.org. One of the things you will access to is our recent conference uh, on the only God and uh, it just happened probably a month ago it's still up there so you can watch the live stream if you do join the fam and great resources great material so glad that you're listening to us here at the sword and the trial yeah today we have a really special uh, episode we're glad that you've tuned in for this and encourage you to share it let other people know about it uh, we have a special guest from Alberta Canada and Aaron Coates is with us and uh, some of you will recognize her name. She is the wife of James Coates, who, as we are talking, is in jail yep. in Alberta uh, because he has preached the gospel of Jesus Christ and refuses to compromise according to what the magistrates there in Alberta tell him he must do. And if he would just simply sign the conditions that they've set up, then they'll let him go free. Reminds me, uh, Aaron, of uh, something that John Bunyan went through when they said, you can be free if you'll just... Uh, agree not to preach. He wouldn't do it. But we're so grateful to have you here and welcome to the Sword in the Trial. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Aaron, first things first, uh, we rejoice at your faithfulness to Christ. We are overwhelmed at uh, your testimony and at James' testimony. We lament the injustice that has occurred and that is occurring right now. And yet the things that we've seen online that James has already done, his sermons and um, communications, and then the interviews that you have done are this remarkable witness to the mm. Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel. So we're a long way from you. We're all the way down here in Southwest Florida. It's actually very hot down here, believe <laughs> it or not, but our hearts are with you and with your church. We're just overwhelmed. It's, it's remarkable. So we can't imagine all you're going through and what it feels like to have your husband in jail while you have children in a church and so many things that you're dealing with, but it is a glorious, glorious testimony. So we're interceding in prayer for you, sister. Uh, we love you. The church down here, Grace Baptist Church loves you. So glad to have you here. Christians all over the world are benefiting mm. from watching you endure this trial and uh, trust the Lord. So we are so glad to have you with us. And you need to know all of that right up front before we get into the details. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. Um, nothing's more important than the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel going out. So that's hugely encouraging to me. Amen. Well, before we get into just some of what has unfolded here over the last many weeks and really months, uh, just give us a, a, an update a little bit on how are you doing, how are the kids doing and uh, what's the latest that you've heard from James? Um, I'm exhausted. Um, I figured out through this trial, I'm not a stress eater. I'm actually the exact opposite of a stress eater. I have to actually be very mindful to keep eating. Um, sleeping is a little bit difficult, but I'm okay. Um, you know, I, I love the Lord Jesus and the cry of my heart has been to love him more and I know him, but I don't know him fully. And I know that he's brought this into my life because this is the only thing that is going to cause me to know him and love him and obey him more fully and more glorify mm. him. So um, he's, he's the master surgeon has um, cut deep, but he knows exactly where to cut and to get rid of anything that is displeasing to him. And I'm already learning so much from this trial, just about my own heart and 
um, ways that we can be more effectively serving the city and the community, um, even deficiencies within the jail that we might be able to help with. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm okay. I, I, I understand that I, that we're facing this, um, for the glory of God and he has never not been good to me. And, um, just the very fact that he would save me and, um, allow me union and communion with him just mm. blows my mind. So I hope that this glorifies him. I hope that the gospel is going out. Um, and my children are okay too. They, they understand, um, they've been under their dad's preaching their, their whole life. So they understand who God is, how he works the life of a believer. It's very hard. It's hard for them not to have him here. Um, my oldest is one that's struggling a little bit, just emotionally a little bit more, but, um, they get it. And we have a phenomenal church family that has stepped up and mm. taken care of us, which is so different for me because you you have a life of ministry and you're used to serving. So when that's flipped around and they everyone's serving you, that's it's very overwhelming. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I mentioned to you earlier, Aaron, that I, I watched um, some of your husband's teaching and even uh, statements that he made recently before he um went into prison and I just feel like I have a great friend. I like, I want to get in the car and drive <laughs> all the way to Alberta, uh, to hear him. I mean, it is great interview. He said, you know, I'm not trying to be a hero, but I want to be faithful to Christ. And then to think, and I'm sure some of this is, it seems like we're at least similar in ages and thinking about my wife and my children and, uh, being in ministry and seeing the things that have been happening. Um, what courage, what humility he's spoken with, what love. Now, one of the many things, I'm sure we'll get into this as we kind of talk more details about what's unfolded. One of the remarkable things is the the Canadian police have been coming to your services and we hear that, you know, James and the church has been applauding them, like standing ovations to honor them while they're coming in to investigate and see if you're in accordance with, you know, all of the health mandates. Um, that kind of stuff is just remarkable to show that, you know, this isn't... Um, somebody that's being a hothead or anything like that. Uh, this is a church that, that loves the Lord Jesus Christ, that wants to honor authorities and knows that there is a king, a king of kings who is overall and they're submitting to him and following his word. So hey, Aaron, tell us, uh, just kind of unfold for us how things have progressed to where they are today. So if you could just kind of give us a, an overview of uh, what's happened. I mean, you guys decided a while back to start meeting again and um, just kind of walk us through that if you would. Yeah. I, when COVID hit, we did what everybody else did. We shut down. I think it was right for us to take a pause and um, think about what is this? How serious is it? Um, but as the months kind of went by, I think it was our health emergency was eight weeks, maybe, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and within that time, so when you have a church that is a true acts to church that is so used to not only being together on a Sunday, but being so intertwined in each other's lives during the week, and you bring in a health emergency where we can't see each other, they literally went into mourning. Mm -hmm. um, and it was very difficult for our church not to be together. So there was a, a just a great sadness in our separation. Um, probably the, I think I understood a little bit better Paul's agony in, in first Thessalonians where he longed to see them face to face. Um, one of the things that James really struggled with is um, for his doctorate, he actually did um, the priority of preaching in the life of a believer would actually argue that it's um, preaching is the, the preeminent means of grace in the life of a believer. So he did that 
just before COVID happened. And so we have this really high th theology of um, preaching. And so when he was preaching to an empty congregation and preaching to a camera, he, he just felt so lost. He's mm. not connecting with the people. He doesn't know if they're okay. Um, and the, the people aren't responding in the same way to the, to the sermons that they usually do either. Um, so as that was all kind of unfolding and we're hearing just different opinions on COVID, we have a little bit of a better idea of who are the groups that COVID is most affecting and what is our responsibility as the local church to Christ's people. And so through this time, it just really helped our elders to define what is our responsibility before God when something like this happens. And so we opened fully back up in July, I believe end of June-ish, July. Um, and we still had restrictions on the gathering. I think it was about 30% capacity at that point. Mm -hmm. um, I, I can't remember if you weren't supposed to sing. I think we weren't supposed to sing. Um, so then COVID cases started to grow. Um, we have never had a COVID case um, contracted or spread within our Sunday gathering. We did have some cases that were contracted from people who were at work. Um, and then we actually shut down for two weeks to make sure that those um, cases didn't actually spread within our, our congregation. And they didn't, thankfully. Um, so we just kept going. And then around the end of November, cases started to rise a little bit, and, and it's active cases. I don't know if active cases are the same as positive cases. I've heard some varying information on that. Um, so around November, we had somebody who was, I guess, calling AHS on us. So we have our women's ministry happening during the week, and people were seeing cars at the church during the week, and they weren't happy with that. So they started to complain. And uh HS and the RCMP started to show up around the end of November, observing our, our gathering. And then it was probably about three months of, of interference of them coming in, two and a half months. And then on December 17th, um, AHS, who they've been given ultimate authority. They have been given the power to make laws and enforce them, which is very odd in our, our free and democratic society. This is not how laws are, are passed. Mm -hmm. um, so they've been given ultimate authority. So we have a, a woman who has been given the call to do whatever she pleases, essentially. Um, and so it was December 17th. There was a public order posted that we are not um, conducting ourselves according to the, the guidelines. And James was fined that day. And then on January 21st, AHS had... Um, filed the courts to petition that they would start enforcing more aggressive means of us not following the guidelines. Um, so they took that to court. The judge ruled in favor of AHS. And then that's when it was on the table that James would could be arrested for holding a gathering. And then um, we didn't abide by that. And then on January 29th, which was his 41st birthday, AHS, uh, Put a closure notice on our building they didn't lock our doors um, but they put up a closure notice that we are to be closed um which is so grievous that they would shut the doors of a church the one place that has hope and life um but we just kept going because james is like as long as the building is open i have to keep preaching and i have to keep shepherding god's people um, so then on February 17th, he was placed under arrest and that was a catch and release. So they kind of did it on James's terms. The RCMP 
I feel I feel badly for them. I really hope that they start standing up and, and defending our charter of rights and freedoms, but I do understand um, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen on this and that there's a lot of pressure on them. Um, and so they did it in a way that didn't humiliate him. They came to the office, uh, they arrested him, they didn't put him in cuffs or anything like that. And they released him on a um, undertaking and the undertaking was that he not conduct the services how he had been doing. He would not sign that undertaking. And so the following Sunday, um, the 14th, we just, we went forward and that was the day that James preached that sermon and he, he knew likely uh, he, he could be jailed for it. And uh, so the RCMP called after the service and said, in, I think it was the long weekend. And, and they said, we, we want you to turn yourself in on um, Tuesday morning. So he did that. Um, what was kind of sad for me is I think he thought he might've been released that day. Mm -hmm. um, and the justice of the peace, he went before two justices of the peace. Uh, he was, um, there wasn't a ruling then they, they gave him uh they did the justice of the peace essentially said, I don't want to make a martyr of this man. I washed my hands of it. And, um, he went back to the RCMP so that he could sleep there during the night. And then the next day, so he was still in custody the next day, the Wednesday, um, he was to go on trial. I don't even know who he was going on trial before. I didn't get any news. I couldn't, I couldn't find him. I didn't know uh, if he was in the building, what time his trial was at. And he went before the judge and he told me that they shackled him. They put him in cuffs, both wrist cuffs, ankle cuffs. And from my understanding, there's a chain on that. Um, so he called me after that and that saying that they were detaining him and that he was free to go if he would just sign the release that he would not pastor in the way that he had been doing uh, with, with having a full congregation. Um, but if he didn't agree to that, he was not allowed on Grace Life property. He's not allowed to conduct any worship services. Um, so essentially, he's not allowed to shepherd uh, the church freely is what is what they put in place. And he just said, I can't, I can't sign that in good conscience before the Lord, my duty as a shepherd of the sheep. And uh, so he's still, he's still in there. Mm. You know, that's, thanks for uh, bringing us up to date on all that. And there's so many levels of this. Jerry and I've talked about it before uh, getting on this podcast with you. And uh, there are certain lessons that uh, God is teaching us in and through this. It's like he's chosen your family to put you on display and mm -hmm. saying to his people, look, look at this and learn. Uh, one of those lessons is, okay, what does it mean to be a faithful shepherd of a church? How do you shepherd people through these situations? Another lesson is, all right, magistrates, what is your responsibility and what are your limitations? I'd like for us to talk about that a little bit because I've seen people who have... Uh, some have tried to be sympathetic while disagreeing with you, and you can appreciate their efforts. Others have just kind of said, oh, man, I can't believe this guy's doing this. You know, he's, uh, he's going against everything that Jesus would want him to do, and it's not that big a deal to limit to 15% of your congregation. You could have six or seven meetings on a Sunday and do that. Um, 
and, and, and those are Christian people who are thinking that way. Uh, and then you do have others that I would argue are thinking better about it and thinking along the lines of what James has articulated in that sermon on February the 14th. So let, let me first of all ask you, and then I'd like for us to just talk about how do you shepherd people through this? But Aaron, how has that landed on you? As you have heard from and heard about the different responses of Christians and Christian leaders, both in Canada and America, that have suggested, well, you know what, this doesn't have to be this way. James could get out. He ought to sign it. He should never have have um, disobeyed this ordinance. And how's that landing on you? And what are your thoughts on it? Um, you know, I was listening to a podcast and a wise man said, you just have to learn to say, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's helpful. <laughs> um, I, you know, it's, it, it's heartbreaking. Um, I think what this really has revealed is such a low view of ecclesiology. It's a low view of the gathering. It's a low view of the responsibility of a shepherd. It's a low view of the one another's. It's a, it's a low view of the ordinances, which fundamentally have to alter um, if you only have portions of your church and some people are doing mm-hmm. some things online. I think it's a low view of spiritual warfare and what um, you're putting your people in danger of when they're not in, in the gathering. And I think it's a low view of preaching and what's happening in the preaching moment when a, when a, a man of God is mediating the presence of God through an accurate exposition of the word and, and the book is open and the people are gathered as a testimony of the glory of God and how he has redeemed his bride. And she's expressing that to the world when she gathers. Um, it, it has been hugely disappointing to see that but it's just such a huge eye-opener um this generation is asleep Mm. they are sleeping and uh there is one story of a young girl um who came into our church after 11 months of not gathering at her church and and her friend was saying you know you have to come to grace life i'm worried about you and she came in and she just wept through the whole service because she didn't realize how apathetic her heart had come over time um, as she wasn't with the body and being challenged by the one another's and, and being together. We have a church where the the, um, service happens and we're not leaving the building till, till four or four 30. So we are really, we're in there in each other's lives and, and applying the sermon and what's your life going to look like this week. And, Um, praying for one another so much uh, during the sermon is revealed in your heart as the Holy Spirit just reveals to you um, through the passage preached what what you need to deal with in your heart. So it's very sad. Um, Either people have forgotten the blessing of the gathering and, and the joy of fellowship, or they've really never experienced it before. And that's just really sad to me. Mm-hmm. Jerry, what would you say to pastors, man? I mean, if you wanted to uh, say, okay, look what God's done here. He set the table for us. Here are some lessons. Yeah, well, first I want to say amen to what Aaron just said. And I would say, I want them to go think about what Aaron just said. <laughs> yeah. I want them to consider uh, the doctrines undergirding the uh, words that you just shared, Aaron, about um what the church is and what corporate worship is and how the word of God operates among the peoples of God and how the ordinances that God, that Christ himself has instituted ought to operate in the life of a given church. And, um, 
there, there has to be a growth in the pastoral ministry to begin to teach people how they are to operate as civil magistrates, which Pastor James goes uh, did in the sermon before he went into mm-hmm. jail. He was he was he was taking God's word and 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 applying it, uh, looking at Scripture and saying this is what God has said to do. And uh, one of the keys there is to acknowledge that there is actually a King of Kings. Like when we say Jesus is King. Of kings, that means there are kings, there are magistrates, there are peoples with authority, governors and premiers and and uh, police officers and all of them established by God. They are servants of God. They are magistrates um, of God, and therefore they have to do what God has told them to do. They have to acknowledge there's this higher authority who's who's ruling over the kingdoms of men, as we hear about in uh, the Old Testament. So. When you look at this situation, uh, I tried to do some research, Aaron, and I'm, I might have some of these things wrong, but it sounds like a lot of it stems from a pub, the Public um, Health Act of some sort, which is the legislative body of Alberta established that gives um, the chief medical officer, I believe health officer, whose name is Dina, um, she ha- basically has all authority to do like whatever she wants to do <laughs> in the case, uh, according to her opinion, um, which the act itself, the legislative body has granted her to do in the case of a public health emergency. And if you go and look at that act, it's interesting definitions up front. Um, the public health emergency is defined as an illness. Uh, it's, it, that's it. It's like the presence of an illness. And uh, you say, well, that's a whole lot of authority. One person to start to do whatever she deems wise to do to slow the spread of an illness. And we need to, pastors actually need to be involved and say, hey, you know, I don't think that's a great act. And I don't think that we should be establishing legislators that are going to put such an act in place. And then I don't think that Dina's a decree, I think we would call it a, a um, direct mandate or a, um, um, an executive order of some sort, you know, hers, the third, whereas she cites that act, whereas this act gives me authority to do whatever I basically want to do to slow this spread of, of an illness. I think the illness is 1,818 people I saw that have died over maybe the last year in Alberta. There's four and a half million Albertans. Uh, I think it's around 0.04%. Don't quote me on that. Check my numbers. But it's a remarkably um, low uh, number of people that have died. And it's significant when people, anybody dies. But you have to have magistrates that are thinking, what is my duty before God? And the pastors actually need to teach on that. They need to, they need to address that. And you need to address it all the way down to the level of police officers. And what does it mean to serve as a police officer and know that there's a God in heaven, there's a King of Kings. So if I am asked to be do, to do something that is unjust, well, I totally understand submission to authority. You want to submit to earthly authorities. There's also heavenly authority that is that pertains to what's going on in this situation. And pastors need to teach the word of God patiently and exhort and encourage. Yeah. And I would go a little bit further than even that, you know, not just say, Hey, this may not be a good idea, but say, Hey, this is unjust to, to tell a woman or to give any person in, in, a, in government, the authority to transform a way of life because of an illness. That is unjust. That is not the government's purview. According to her opinion, whatever, whatever she deems. Yeah, to you know, I mean, that, that, that act was so crazy. One of the things I've, I've appreciated about James, I look forward to meeting him again, just listening to the, that last sermon especially and other things that he has publicly commented on, um, this sense of real kinship with him. But he was actually instructing magistrates in Romans 13. And, of course, we've heard Romans 13 uh, pulled out and misused over this last year, you know, that whatever 
the government says you got to do because Romans 13. And it's as if nobody's ever read Romans 13. It says that the civil authorities are the servants of God. They're God's deacons. They're appointed by God. And again, I, we're going to link to that sermon. It is so, so clear, so, so good. But one of the things that, that I've heard you talk about, and I think I read as well, is that some of the, it's a Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Is that right? Do they still yes. ride horses or is that just kind of a, something that's carried over? Just for ceremonies, yeah. they will wear their, their red attire with the horses, but no, they look like normal cops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just, I love that uh, RCMP. Uh, but you've had them in your services. And, and I mean, can you talk about any impact on them that you've witnessed or conversations that have been hopeful uh, with some of those who are serving at the very ground level as civil magistrates? Um, I, I know they don't like what's happening. I mean, I, pro I think we had about six to eight officers that actually came in. And then we had two officers in the end that really wanted to be the guys that um, handled the situation because I don't, I don't know if they're afraid somebody else would not be as nice to us. But mm -hmm. um, they said, you know what, you have respected us and we want to respect you. Um, but the important thing is, is, is that every time they've come into Grace Life Church, um, James has preached the gospel to them. Mm. And so we are praying that their hearts would turn to the Lord through all of this mm -hmm. and, and would uphold the law of the land as God's ministers of, of the law. I have received phone calls or not phone calls, messages from RCMP wives from around Canada saying that their husbands are saying like, keep going. Mm. Um, that the system is very corrupt. And, and this is the thing that really scares me. Um, the RCMP is so heavily entrenched in critical race theory. Mm. So we bend the knee with the corporate worship, which is God's alone. They only have to take a small step to say, uh, I think what you're preaching on gender issues or sexuality is a danger to mm. the health and society of Albertans or health and um, well-being of Albertans. And so we don't want you preaching that. And they're already starting to do that. There's a, a, a legislation that's being passed in Edmonton where a pastor cannot counsel a parent or anybody who wants to have um, a, a sex change. Mm -hmm. They do, that could end up two years in jail. So these are the kinds of things that are being passed. And I just feel like we need the pastors to wake up. This mm -hmm. system is so entrenched in this stuff and who are they going to have to move out of the way for this to move forward? Well, it's, it's the Lord and his word and people who are faithfully standing on what true biblical love is in community and telling people their sin. So um, that is what scares me. So as I get messages from wives and the husbands are saying like, keep going, we're trying to like tell um, men within the ranks, like, you know, just, hold up the charter of rights and freedoms. Um, don't ticket these guys, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, it's hard for them. They're going to lose their job one day. Well, you know, and, and praise God, you're getting those kinds of uh, kind of feedback because that's what it's going to take. I mean, we, we look back and we all just uh, grieve over the Holocaust in Nazi Germany. And you think about all the people that were involved in taking uh, those masses of Jews and Christians to the gas chambers and the train conductors say, look, I just drive the train. 
you know, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not killing anybody. I'm just driving the train and the person that loads them on. Well, I'm just, I'm just loading the box cars. You know, that's all I do. And Hey, I'm just servicing the, the chambers. You know, I don't, I don't kill anybody. And God, people who are creating God's image that live in God's world have to be instructed on the reality that there is a God in heaven right. and they are in his image. They will give an account to him one day and he has commanded them how they are to live. And if churches don't do that, if pastors don't teach that, how in the world are police officers and judges and legislators going to learn that they are accountable to God as his servants? This is what's so powerful about um, Pastor Coates being in a jail cell right now. It's taking, it's a moment for everybody to wake up to the fact that we live in a, a modern secular society where even decent people like a police officer is thinking that it's just a disagreement between him and his superior. That's what he really thinks. And as long as it's just a disagreement between him and his superior, well, I don't agree with it, but Hey, I've got a boss and maybe mm-hmm. I got to put food on the table and we can all sympathize with kind of that notion. But the, the thing that's being exposed is that we don't believe that there is a God in heaven who has told us what we are to do and has given orders to civil matters magistrates about what they are to do. And that goes all the way down to the police officer. That means the police officer is in the position where he has to say, this is not just before God. And I, as a lesser magistrate, as one who's to enforce this, I cannot enforce what you're telling me to do. They really have to grasp that. And this is the beauty of what now, Aaron, you are experiencing. James is you, 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 you know that there's a God in heaven, you know, his word, you know, that you are doing what is just and right and suffering persecution for, for doing so. And it's, it, there's a relief to it. There's a, I thank God, I can, it, this is so hard. And yet it's testifying to this lost and dying world that there is a God who has told us what we are to do. It's just a, remarkably powerful moment and we pastors really do have to take this we have secluded ourselves from this we have we have not been willing to say yes you need to think about what the king has said and is this just or unjust you have to come to grips with do they does a civil magistrate have this responsibility to protect uh, possibilities that could come about from some kind of health issue mm-hmm. by these kind of orders and of course the answer is no you can go listen to pastor james's sermon about that but it's a it's a glorious moment. It's so hard, and we we are sympathetic, Aaron, as you endure all this. I have one practical question. Is I know uh, last I heard there is going to be an appeal from your lawyer uh, to the condition. So trying to address that condition that they remove that condition so that your husband can get out of out of jail. Uh, can you give us an update on kind of where where that is at now? Sure, I can, I can give you two updates. So Wednesday, his trial date is actually going to be set. Um, our lawyer has pushed for the earliest date, which is um, the first week of May, but the Crown is trying to delay till till June. Um, and so we have an appeal going through. I'm supposed to receive, I'm stepping in for James to do all of the paperwork to have the appeal go through. So we're hoping that that will be heard by Friday mm. and that they drop drop that. Well, so I, I want to come back to the, the sermon February 14th and Jerry, something you just said about uh, that, that James mentioned in this message. He said, I, I need to step back and ask, you know, have I really been thinking about these things the way I should? I need to reevaluate that. Uh, can you tell us, I'm sure you, you and James must have had conversations about this as you're seeing these things unfold. Uh, how, how did you both come to recognize, wait a minute, you know, we really do need to address this. How did your husband come to the point where he began to say, okay, uh, we, we've got to take this stand and I need to start educating uh, congregation and magistrates. 
we've had so many conversations. Uh, James is very well educated just on what's happening politically and economically, mm -hmm. um, both in Canada and the United States. And so he's been just wrestling through um, this stuff for years. But as COVID happened, I would have to say it's just his responsibility as a shepherd, mm -hmm. as you're having to refuse people the gathering and um, you're not allowed to do various things. Our, our, our work in the community is being hindered. You can't have anybody inside of your, in the, in the, the lockdown we're in right now, you're not supposed to have anybody inside of your home. Hmm. So people are like, well, why do you just do home church? Well, you can't, you can't have anybody in your home. Um, so as we're just watching the effects on our people, and then of course, um, Pastor John MacArthur was taking a stand. So we're obviously watching what he is doing. We, I think we might've opened a little bit earlier than him, but just as James, uh, wrestled through everything and what our government was doing, he just felt like I need to tell them what their duty is. And I need mm. to tell shepherds what their duty is and, and inform our church as to, um, just having a high view of the gathering. Well, one of the things that was so encouraging in that sermon is the fact that he said, yeah, I may need to do some reevaluation. And that ought to be true of every pastor. I mean, we ought to always be asking that question and what can we do better and what do we need to do differently? And when different circumstances arise, there's no shame in saying, you know what, I've neglected this and now we need to beef up on this. We got a, a whole Bible and none of us has it mastered as, as we would like to master it. And so brothers, I would just appeal to you, look, if if you are uh, haven't seen these things as clearly, you've been going along, you've been listening to certain voices who told you, but look, Romans 13, do whatever the government says. And now you're realizing, wait a minute, we got a faithful brother who is in prison because he simply refuses to do what the magistrate says because he's convinced that doing so would make him disobedient to God. Go back to those texts, study those verses, listen to the sermon that he preached on February 14th from Romans chapter 13, and open up your own scriptures and pray and ask the Lord to help you. And if you need to make amends and, and make some changes, fine, do it. I mean, that's the gospel. We, we can repent and believe. We can get up and start over and do a better job going forward than maybe uh, what you have done thus far. I mean, what pastor has not had to do that? We yeah. all have to do that. There's no shame in it. And you will serve your people well, not only by teaching them the things that you're now seeing more clearly, but also modeling for them. What does it look like whenever you come to an awareness that you need to make a course correction in the Christian life? Yeah, the Apostle Paul says in the New Testament that we are to not take part in the fruitless works of darkness, but rather expose them. And we do need to see what the works of darkness are. And uh, one of the reasons I think pastors are having trouble speaking to these issues is because they've just kind of, they've kind of categorized, well, they're works of darkness, but they're out there. Well, they're not, they're not Christians and they're not a part of the church. It's the civil kind of realm. And so we're not going to say anything about it, mm -hmm. but you actually have, an exhortation from the apostle in the new Testament that you were to expose this work of darkness. And that's why we need, um, quite honestly, the gospel coalition of California, of, uh, of Canada, Canada and this little article that they wrote about, I don't agree, but we kind of need, it was like mealy mouth. Nice. Road. That's crazy. <laughs> this is a work of darkness yeah. that is happening in the civil magistrate of Alberta. And somebody needs to say, so our, our brother and sister in church are suffering persecution from the crown and it needs to be addressed. It needs Absolutely. to say this, this is unjust. Now we need to do that in humility. We need to do it with compassion. We need to do that in the spirit of Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ is to be proclaimed overall. And then we're to go on making disciples, teaching them to obey all that Christ has commanded us as Matthew 28 says. 
And that involves actually saying, no, this is wrong, and we're going to actually address it and get down to the details. Aaron, you mentioned, just I want to make sure, you mentioned Wednesday there's a court hearing, and you said the Crown's trying to get it for May? Uh, we The earliest date our lawyer was pushing for was the first week of May. They're trying to push it to June. So, so potentially he could be in jail until the court. Now, yeah. he's appealing the condition as well. Is that when will that be done and when will we get an answer on that? We're hoping that it'll be heard by Friday, but it really depends on the courts and and how fast they want to hear it. But we're pushing for the end of the week. Yeah, well, we want to call attention to this. So we want to rally people in a, a right and proper way to shine light Absolutely. on this injustice that is happening to our neighbors in the north. And uh, so I know there's some things going on on social media. We'll see what we can do to uh, aid that and maybe to encourage something even more specific than that in terms of writing letters or just, again, shining the light on injustice that is taking place in a, a democratic uh, governmental system that's uh, to our north in Canada. So, Aaron, we're so grateful for you and your family. Please communicate to James our prayer for him and to your children as well. And before we go, let us know how can we pray for you? Tell us specifically. We got folks that will join with us in praying for you, your church, your husband, uh, your children. Let us know how we can do that. Yeah, well, first of all, um, the, the fact that men who are professing Christ are not utterly shocked and appalled that a, a, a man who has been qualified by God to love the sheep entrusted to him, the fact that he's been imprisoned for his conviction before God to have the gathering, uh, it, that it's not moving them in any way, but to criticize mm. him is such an indictment on the church right now. They yes. are, they are sleeping and uh, and so pray for the leaders in Canada that they would they would wake up because God's people need to hear of Christ. Um, so that's the biggest cry of our heart is that God would be glorified through the churches in uh, specifically Alberta here where we minister, but all all across Canada. So that's really I think where my heart is. Is this is so sad? You have so many men who aren't standing for Christ and aren't standing for their people. Um, and the sheep are anemic. They're, they're they're being they're not being fed. So that's the biggest thing is praying for our, our nation and that men will will stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, it's so hard to know what to pray. Like I, I have a very weak body. I, I have autoimmune issues and heart and lungs and stuff. Um, so all the stuff I'm trying to do to get my husband out of jail is very taxing on my body. So just strength to be able to do that. I've seen how the Lord has sustained me and He's so kind. Um, but we just want God's glory. We want the gospel of Jesus Christ to go across this nation with power. And we want to see people get saved and whatever it takes to do that, um, that we would just submit to that, that we, we wouldn't want to just get out from underneath it because it's incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm a homemaker. I homeschool my babies. I, I run our women's ministry. I'm not used to having such a, a crazy life. So um, just submitting to the Lord and trusting him every step of the way. And that my children would just see um, the glory of God on display. They, I, I want to see my youngest um, at least be assured of his salvation. And my oldest, he just knows he, he needs to know Christ more. So to learn what um, he needs to learn and then protection for our church, we are being heavily attacked mm. 
Um, and there's been some aggressive groups that have tried to come out against us. And uh, so, yeah, we're not sure what the um, consequences of meeting yesterday are. Um, so we don't know what Pastor Jake will face with uh, preaching yesterday and having the service. We're hoping that doesn't mean jail for him too, but it could. Um, so we're waiting to see how the RCMP are going to respond to that. So obviously prayer for him and his family, but mostly that this generation will just see how weak we are mm. with our theology and such a low, it's it just a low view of God. That's what mm. it comes down to. And uh, so I think all of those things are, are things to pray for. We'll pray for that. And uh, if they arrest Jake and they arrest the next man, I, I will pray and I'll volunteer that there will be oh. men lined up. <laughs> to come and preach in that pulpit yeah. and let them arrest us all. Absolutely. We'll be, so, we'll be going to Alberta. We'll, we'll take them names and uh, yes. start a and list. Sister, you press on and know that God will strengthen you, supply Amen. every single need that you have. He is faithful and you know these things and it's a glorious testimony to Christ. Tell the elders there at your church that we love them, that we're praying for them and them to continue to be strong and courageous, that whole church. You Amen. have brothers and sisters interceding for you. I believe there's a hashtag Amen. going around, hashtag free James Coates. Right. And so hashtag that all over social media. Spread um, this particular uh, report here from Aaron Coates all over social media. Media. Pray for Grace Life Church in Alberta, Canada, for James, for Aaron, for the children, and ask that the gospel of Jesus Christ would go out. And if you happen to be listening to this and you have not heard of the good news of Jesus Christ, everything that's going on here is all about that good news. And we're not going to um, neglect to tell you that good news. And it is that you have a creator who has made you in his image. And you and every last one of us have rebelled against that God. We've sinned against what he has told us to do. Mm. And what we deserve now is hell. When we die, you see death, you face up to it. You know that everybody's dying. That's a judgment upon the human race for our rebellion against God. But there's a greater judgment coming that is separation for eternity from our creator. And there is salvation only in the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot be saved by putting your life together. But Jesus Christ, the very son of God, was born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under, under a tyrant called Pontius Pilate back in his day. He lived a perfectly righteous life according to God's law. The only one who has ever done that. He laid down his life on the cross in the place of sinners and for sinners. This Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. 2000 years ago, he rose from the dead and he intercedes now before God, the father above and all who call upon the name of Christ, who trust him, they will live. They will live forever. They'll be set free that they can live like pastor James lives and how Aaron lives and how grace life church in Alberta. So if you're in Alberta, listening to this, believe that good news. If you're in Canada or all around the world here in the States, Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Amen. And if you want more help with that or more information, just contact us. We'll be glad to respond to you and help you in any way we can. Aaron, please uh, know your family, the church, the elders, reach out to us. Let us know how we can help. If there's anything that you need that we can supply, we want to, and we certainly want to stay uh, current with what's going on and you're in our prayers and uh, we thank God for you. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. I thank God for you guys.